Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Follow Me, we will be looking at what it means to be a disciple. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. You know, one of the most unique sporting events in the world occurs every spring in Alaska. Uh, those of you who know, may know what I'm talking about, every spring in Alaska there's this great race. It's called the Iditarod. I love watching, though. I've watched it a couple of times on TV, and it's pretty cool to watch, see the dogs pull, see the guys that pull called mushers do their thing. It's a, it's a race from Anchorage to Nome, over a 1,000 miles through some treacherous landscape. In researching about the Iditarod, I came to discover that the origins of the race actually come from an even more noble cause than just the race. In 1925, there was an outbreak of diphtheria in Nome. At that time, people died from exposure, from contracting the highly contagious disease. And there was the medicine that was needed for treating the children of Nome was in Anchorage. And so a great plan was pulled together to transport the 300,000 units of serum to treat diphtheria the diphtheria to Nome, first part of the leg was done by train, but the last part of the leg, the majority of the leg, the thousand plus miles was done by teams of mushers, 150 dogs, 20 mushers lying together in a relay to transport the life-saving medicine to Nome. They did it in 127 hours, which is still a record. In 1925, the mission was to save lives. Today, the mission is to win the race. In 1925, the teams work together to fulfill the mission. Today, the teams work against each other to win individual glory. In 1925, the purpose was grand and noble. Today, the purpose is entertainment and money and personal acclaim. I want you to hold on to this idea of the Iditarod, its original purpose. The, the, in 1925, it was called the, the Great Race of Mercy. And think about it, what it is today. And think about it in terms of this conversation of what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. What it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, when Jesus entered into the scene, started his ministry, he entered into a time where it was taught that membership to the kingdom of God, the way you followed God, was for, one, the qualified, and two, because of that, for an exclusive group of people. The kingdom of God was for those who were clean, those who were religiously right, those who were originally uh, following the law to to the T. And at the time of Jesus, that was characterized by the, the Jewish religion of the day, that was championed by individuals called Pharisees, and they were the Sadducees and the scribes. But the idea was that if you wanted to be right with God, you had to follow a set of rituals, be clean, and then you could be part of 
what God was doing. It was also exclusive in that it was set up for a special people group. In fact, there was a uniqueness to that people group. You had to be an Israelite. You had to be a Jew to really be in. Exclusivity is captured in the, the famous Pharisee's prayer that went something like this. He, he would pray. He said, Dear God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile. That's a non-Jew. Or a slave or a woman. That was the, the picture of what it meant to be part of the kingdom of God at the time of Jesus. But Jesus enters in, and he paints a different picture. And what we find in the presentation of the Gospels, the story of Jesus, what we find is a communication that God has provided a different way, a very different way to be made right with him that's not exclusive and not for the qualified. When Jesus said, follow me, what did he mean? Well, Reading through the Gospels, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about the calling of Peter. Remember that? It's recorded for us in, in the first part of Luke chapter 5. Simon Peter, called by Jesus to follow him. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of what? Fishers of men. And Simon Peter then follows Jesus along with his brother Andrew and their business partners James and John, all in the fishing business. They start to follow Jesus. And what they discover is that God's kingdom is about being a fisher of men. And what that means is that God is interested in reaching people. God's work in this world through the Messiah, that being Jesus, is about reaching people. When he says fishers of men, he's not meaning just men. He's meaning men in the terms of the generic term for humanity, men and women. You read further down and you come to discover then what kind of men, what kind of people God's interested in to be part of his kingdom. What kind of people Jesus is looking to bring into his kingdom. And it surrounds the calling of a man named Matthew. Now in our text we'll see that he's called Levi. Matthew's name was Levi, but he was also known as Matthew. I, I just I can relate to these dudes, right? Simon, his name was was then called Peter, and then Matthew, Levi. They all had nicknames. I, I get it, right? My name's John, and everyone calls me Dee Dee. Um, these are my kind of dudes, right? Anyway, I digress. I digress. Let's turn with me to the calling of Matthew, Luke chapter five, verse twenty-seven. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. I'm reading from what's the, the New American Standard Bible. This is what it says. Ready? It says, after that, he, and you can see the capital he here means he's talking about Jesus. After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi. Also known as Matthew. Levi, sitting in the tax booth, sitting in the place where he's doing business, He's sitting in the IRS office where he conducts his business, right? Sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Now, tax collectors in any country are not very popular individuals, right? I mean, the IRS is not a popular organization amongst us. You know, the inevitability of life, inevitability of life is what? Death and taxes. We're not very fond of paying taxes. We do what we can to not pay as much taxes as we don't have to, all that fun stuff. But no one is fond of the IRS. But in this situation, it ratchets up to a new level because people at that time hated tax collectors. And you can understand why. Here, here's, here's why. 
The tax collectors of that time were Jews who were working for the Romans. The Romans had conquered Judea, had conquered the Jews, had subjugated them, had forced, were occupying their territory. In other words, the tax collectors were Jews who were collecting funds from their own people to fund, to resource the occupation. Are you with me on this? So these guys were not only tax collectors, they were traitors to their people. And we get the idea here that often these tax collectors would say, you know what, I'm hated anyway, so I might as well make some profit on that, right? So what they would do is they would charge a little bit more than what the going tax rate was. So the tax rate was 50%. They would charge 52% and keep the 2% for themselves. And so they would make a lot of money. They would be really wealthy. If I'm going to be hated, I might as well be rich, right? Tax collectors were hated. And they were considered by the religious establishment as individuals that were sinners. They were definitely not qualified, and they definitely weren't going to make it because they were violating a principle from the Old Testament law that says Jews shouldn't take advantage of other Jews financially. Hated, sinners, bad men, the kind of people that God keeps on the outside because they're scumbags. And it says, and he left everything. This is, this is Levi. This is Matthew. He left everything behind. Obviously, he had a relationship with Jesus. Obviously, he had known about Jesus. And so this invitation came to him. He left everything behind, got up, and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him at, in his house. This is a common reaction for those who are sinners with a lot of money. Uh, you see many times in scriptures, they respond by being generous, by giving. And so Levi funds and hosts a huge party. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. Now we get to the reaction of the religious, right? So we have this, this communication of what the kingdom of God is all about by Jesus. And now you've got the reaction by the opposition. What is the opposition? The opposition is the religious who were the, the people that were guarding this other view of how a person makes it into the kingdom of God. That's, that's exclusive and is for the qualified. Says the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, quote unquote, if Jesus did air quotes, maybe he would do that. <laughs> I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Two visions of how we can be made right with God. What is the kingdom of God all about? One says it's for the qualified. You better be clean before you enter in, and you better be of a certain people group and a certain kind. The other is very different. The other begins by saying, hey, uh, God is after people, and the first qualification is they are sinners. They acknowledge that they are in need of a Savior. See, Jesus is not looking for the religiously qualified. Jesus is not the fisher of men that requires the fish to be cleaned before he catches it. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Throw it out there. Oh, fillets. <laughs> Good. Doesn't happen that way, right? You got to clean, you got to scrape, you got to cut it. Anyway, Jesus is looking for those who do not qualify quote-unquote, 
And so we make it personal. What's the personal way? Well, it means this for me. If you're a member of the Jesus way, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what it means. It meant what, this is what it meant to Levi. It means this. Follow me means that I acknowledge that I once was sick, but now Jesus is healing me. I once was sick, but now Jesus is healing me. Now, it's interesting. Really note the language I'm using here. I once was sick, but now Jesus is healing me. Our healing is not a one-off thing, totally. It is and it isn't. It's a one-time thing and a lifetime thing. A lot of times I've talked to you about the way of grace, and I've said the way of grace is opposite to the way of the law. The way of law is what says this. It says if you want to be right with God, you have to make sure you you don't break the law because those who keep the law escape the penalty. Those who break the law suffer the penalty. The reality is is that when we all come down to it, we all are lawbreakers, whether we are religious or whether we're not. We all break the law of God, and therefore we don't qualify to be made right with God in that way. And when we do break the law, what do I say? Well, we come into what's called a double trouble. The double trouble means, A, as a lawbreaker, I am guilty in a legal sense to receive the punishment due to my breaking the law of God. Makes sense. The other piece of the double trouble is that I become sin sick. I become morally weak. I become unable to do what's right in my character. I become uh, perverted, depraved, whatever you want to say. Sin sickness, ill. For the double trouble, God provides a double cure for Jesus. First of all, he says, regarding guilt, this, this, this death on the cross, the resurrection, and if you believe, that takes care of your guilt. Your status changes. There's a one-time change. When you accept the, the gift of, of grace given by God, your status changes. Sinner to, to one who is not guilty. Uh, one who is, is, is dirty to one who is being clean. One who is an enemy of God to one who is a child of God. Amen to grace, right? It's a one-time thing. But then on the other side... Because of our sin sickness, which is a matter of living life, right? We don't come out of the waters and ring, we're perfect and good and take me up now, Scotty, I mean Jesus, because I'm going to heaven, right? No, we have to live our lives. We, we live out our learning to follow Jesus in life. And that's facilitated by the Holy Spirit. God's gift of grace is the Spirit in our life who now becomes part of a healing process in our day-to-day decisions. I have new ways of thinking. I have new ways of living. I have new perspectives of operating in life that begins a transformation that occurs from the inside and manifests in the way I behave and and operate and live and, and do what I do. And so that's why I say, follow me means that I move from a position of sickness where I find healing and I continue to be healed. It's a one-time and a continuous endeavor. Now, we as the church are people that have responded to the call to follow me. And because of this truth, I want you to think about what that means for the church and what it means for the kingdom of God. It means that the church is now should be considered a hospital. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm taking what Jesus said. I came as the physician to heal the sick. That's my purpose. The purposes of God is for the Savior to find those who need him to be saved. Those who are sick, the physician, great physician Jesus, will heal them. The church is a hospital. 
which goes counter to the concept that religion promotes that the church is for the qualified. The church is for the unqualified who are willing to admit it because that's where they find healing. So that means no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, and say people be like, oh, Didi, I can't come to church. The walls will fall in on me. I'm like, dude, you don't know the stories of the people that are there. If you think you're bad, poof. <laughs> no, right? As a fisher of men, Jesus is asking us not to clean the fish before we catch him, but instead to bring him in wherever they are, what they have done, because that's what it's about. The church is a hospital. And the great thing about this hospital is that once we get into the hospital, the physician then says, part of your healing process is that I want you to join in my work in reaching out to the others that need to hear this good news to minister to one another in this hospital, but to also look to bring others in. I want you to help me join in that work to bring healing to them. It's a hospital where follow me says, I once was sick, but now I'm being made well. And I'm being invited by the great physician to join in his work to reach out to those who need him. And that's why I say here, follow me means that I'm invited to reach out to those Jesus assigns. You know, I find it interesting that the word hospital has the same origins of the word hospitable. Hospitality. What's a hospitality? What's a hospitable person? Well, a hospitable person is an open person, right? Hospitality is the somewhat dying art of being able to welcome people into your home and treat them as royalty, treat them as guests, honor them, help them feel comfortable, bless them by the encounter of being in your home. Hospitality is an openness. Hospitality welcomes those that come in. I used to remember, uh, you know, someone always told me, I don't know if it was my mom, probably my mom. She said, you know, when you're a guest in someone's home, it's, it's their job to treat you as a guest, and it's your job not to act like family. Treat them with respect as well, right? You, you follow me on that, right? But hospitality, that, that, that endeavor to, to have someone come in and treat you like a special guest, a person of value, a person of honor, a person that you want to make feel comfortable. Well, the church is a hospital, which means follow me, means I once was sick, but now I'm being made well. And it also means that now Jesus is asking me to be involved in the process of ministering to others to bring them healing, which means then that this community of faith, this kingdom of God, is also to be hospitable. And each one is assigned to do our part in reaching out by being hospitable to others. By being hospitable to others. The church is hospitable. Now, of course, when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about not just this one-hour event, although I do mean this one-hour event, too. Um, it's not the mission of God for you to be grumpy and not nice to people if they come in, all right? And to give them looks if they, they need a seat. Oh. Or to get mad when, when, when someone's lost in the parking lot. Oh, come on. He has a parking lot, right? No, no. Friendly, friendly. Hospitable, right? Don't be offended. Oh, oh hi, my name's so-and-so. How long have you been coming to church? Oh, I've been coming to church 10 years. Oh, it's okay. Just say, 
Welcome. I'm so glad we finally meet after 10 years, right? <laughs> hospitable. We're called to be hospitable. Why? Because that's the mission of the church. That's the call of the church. That's what we're called to do and what it means to, to follow Jesus. And so to summarize here, right, when I'm talking about the church, I'm not being limited to this one hour event. I'm talking about our lifestyle. I'm talking about the way we operate in the world as a partner in the work that Jesus is doing. We're made right with God through faith. We are now a sick person who is finding healing, and he invites us now to become open to the assignments he brings to us, the assignments given to us to reach out and minister to those in, who also need healing, right? You say, well, Didi, how does that work? How does that work? What does that look like? All right, let me describe scenarios for you. Every morning you stop by Starbucks for your cup of coffee. Because you're going to work, it's at the same time and it's at the same Starbucks. And you get in line and every time you're in line, you notice there's this girl that's always there with you. And one of the funny things is that she's there pretty much every time at the same place at the same time. And she orders the same order you make. Right? A grande Americano with a shot of hazelnut, maybe two if it's going to be a long day because you need the sweetness. And steamed cream. And you're like, ha, this girl got good taste. But you look at this girl and you start realizing, okay, what's she all about? Because every time you see her, she looks worn out. She looks young, but she looks like she's had a hard life. You ever run into people like that? And she's sometimes wearing sweats. She's got that mom of young kids, and I'm working my tail off to provide for them. Look, hair sometimes a little wacky. Has a, back, has a backpack, right? And every time she has this backpack, she has to get it off, and she seems to have trouble because she just doesn't move healthily. Just gives this vibe. And you, and you notice there, every time you're there, she goes through this, and you're like, okay, what's this all about? And you start to think, okay, this girl is obviously a, a, a mother of young children, and you notice there's no wedding ring, so you figure she's not married, and then your brain starts to, to speculate, right? You start thinking, oh, maybe she's got, probably got... She probably lives in a trailer, and she probably has multiple dads for their children, and she probably did drugs, and she has this look of just stick to herself and get it done. In fact, she doesn't look around very much, and she's not very friendly. She's so, she just looks burdened and, and hard, but she comes in for coffee every time. So what do you do? You notice her. Something sparks in you about her. You see her. You're there at the same time with her every time. What do you do? Do you, do you make an effort to enter into her world? Yes, you do. Why? Because Jesus said, follow me, means that you were once were sick, but now you've been healed. And Jesus met you where you were, and he loved you anyway. And do you enter into her life by asking her a question? Yes, because God calls you to join in this healing process to reach out to others that God assigns. And so you take the step. You maybe start a conversation. You might start a joke. <laughs> I bet you the barista, Donnie, knows our order by heart. Every time he sees us, he knows. All right, two grande Americanas with a, with a shot of uh, hazelnut and, and steamed cream. And then you maybe start talking to her. Maybe you help her when she's struggling to get her backpack to scrounge out the coins to pay for her drink. 
And maybe you get the courage to talk to her and, and make a joke about how you're always there. And, and then you start to find out what's going on in her life. You find out her name and she find, you tell her yours. And, and you start entering into conversation. And, and then maybe sometimes when she's not there, you take the next step to say, hey, I didn't see you a couple of weeks. Oh, were you okay? Is everything okay? Were you sick? You start making the effort to get into her life. Why? Because Jesus has called you to be part of a hospital that's to be hospitable. And this is what it means to reach out because though you see the burdens of a life, you know one who can lift them. Though you see the wounds of her heart in her eyes and in her demeanor, you know one who can bring her healing. Though you see uh, the, someone who feels deeply unloved, you know one who can love to the deepest depths that you've experienced that you can share. Another scenario, you've got a guy at office. This guy at the office is from another country. He's from Somalia. Black dude. His name's Muhammad Ahmed. I just make that. I like saying Ahmed. Anyway, and you figure he's probably a, a Muslim, right? He's probably a Muslim. And Ahmed is there. He does his work. He does it well. He comes in. He leaves. He doesn't talk much to anybody because his English is not the greatest. Think it's not the greatest, but it's, it's common. When you talk to him, he's fine. He talks back to you, but he never initiates. And, and since 9-11, you're not sure about this guy. What's he up to? What does he do? Since all the stuff you read on the news, you're like, ooh, Somalia, bad place, bad place. And you're like, okay, what should we do? And, and everyone else in the office, everyone else around him kind of keep, a, keep a one eye open when he's around, right, wondering what he's going to do. What do you do? What do you do? Do you reach out? Do you talk about his family and ask him about his life before he came to America? Do you show interest in his story? Maybe you do discover that he comes from a, a Muslim family. Do you take advantage of a seminar your church is doing, teaching about Islam and just helping address the presumptions that we make so that you can understand, so that you might reach out. By the way, tonight, 5.30, we're doing a seminar on Islam. <laughs> taught by Don Tingle. Don has worked 30 years doing humanitarian work in Muslim countries in Africa and Asia and Europe. And he's going to be here doing a, a kind of couple of hour seminar, 5.30, here talking about Islam, introducing that, and really addressing uh, maybe some of the issues that we may assume so that we may understand. Why? Why do we want to do that? Why would we want to do that? Well, because the church is a hospital and we're to be hospitable. Jesus saved me, a sinner. I was once sick, but now I'm being made well. And he's invited me to participate in that effort to reach out to others. He's asked me to be part of that mission. And that mission may include Muhammad Ahmed from the office. In 1925, it was called the Great Race of Mercy. Today, it's the Iditarod. Two different purposes, two different visions of what they were doing, two different purposes. One... One is for the qualified and it's exclusive. The race 
That is today is for the qualified. You better qualify. You better have the right dogs. You better have the right slaves because you're racing against others and the purpose is, is to win and have personal glory and all that fun stuff. The other, 1925 I did, the first greatest race, was working together for a purpose that was higher than individual glory but sought to bring life-saving salvation. Two different visions, two different operations. The question we have to ask is, okay, we're part of a mission that's very different. And Jesus has called us to be part of the hospital that's hospitable. He's called each of us to participate in that. Follow me means being part of that. The temptation is always to be pulled back to this vision, to make it exclusive and for the qualified. But we need to capture the heart of Jesus and remember the story of, of the calling of Simon Peter and the story of Levi, Matthew. And remember, we're called to be part of the hospital, working with the great physician to be hospitable. Jesus says, will you follow me? Now you know the terms. I'm going to ask that we stand. I want to close with... I'll ask the musicians to come on out to wrap things up for us. I'm going to close with the prayer attributed to St. Francis. And so if you want to follow along, it's up on the screen, but if you just want to bow your head, prayer of St. Francis, after we share this together, I want you to consider and meditate on the words. After we that, we will sing together, and uh, our guys will come forward, available to pray with you in person. If you have a decision to make, you want to become... Uh, a part of this kingdom of Jesus who accepts you where you're at to invite you to join with him in the great mission to save lives. You can come forward and let them know waters of baptism are ready. Prayer of San Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.